we'll get started. Five, four, three, two, and one. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the greatest podcast in the, in the, in the, in the history of podcasts. <laughs> there's no there's no better podcast than the one that we made every week, or we try to make every week. Try to make it every week, yeah. I'm your host, Harrison. I'm your host, Alex. And this is your podcast, uh, Did You Eat Yet? Uh, today, we have... Uh, very you know, special guest. Very special guest, but it's a first of, of, of many things. Um, this is the earliest we've ever done a podcast. <laughs> yes, true. We usually drink, um, you know, um, some sort of alcoholic beverage like whiskey or uh, White Claw or something like that. Not sponsored by White Claw. Um, <laughs> but today, we're not sponsored by Starbucks either. But we're today, we're drinking coffee because we're doing it so early. It's also, um, it's also 8 a.m. <laughs> it's also the first time we have a very special guest that's a pastor. Pastor David, everyone, wow. thanks for coming on to the Woo. show. Woo. Of course, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so you know, uh, why don't you just uh, we can just get started and uh, uh, you know tell us about you know how you've been spending your time. It's been a crazy year. COVID, uh, Black Lives Matter happened. Um, churches had to show, shut down. Obviously, um, how have you been spending twenty twenty? Yeah, honestly, my schedule has changed probably a lot less than most people. Uh, so, I mean, I always worked from home, so that part hasn't changed. Um, the only thing that's changed is like Sunday morning services, of course, are um, all pre-recorded. So that, you know, took some getting used to. Um, but now that I've gotten used to it, it's actually, that's a bit faster now than it was to, you know, go to Sunday service, two services. Um, and then I'm also saving time on like commuting for community groups and stuff like that. So in general, my schedule is, is pretty similar, but I have maybe slightly more time. Um, although some of it's been filled with like extra counseling. I've been doing more counseling than I used to, which, which probably makes sense. Um, so any extra time I have, I've just been spending reading and, and I've been doing more writing this year. Um, actually, I just started writing this year. Come to think of it. Oh, January, wow. January was the first uh, article I published, but I think I'm up to like maybe uh, 11 or 12 or something published articles and like a few more in the mix to be published. Like people, people want them. They're just not published wow. yet. So, um, so that's actually a new thing for 2020. I, had, I hadn't published anything until this year. And, and, uh, yeah, I think I'm, I think yesterday maybe might've been my 11th. Maybe I forget. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. And is that something that you were doing prior, but just at a slower pace or is it something that you just kind of brought up after once COVID starting? You're like, yeah. oh, what do I do with all this extra time? It didn't, it, yeah, I hadn't published anything until this year. Um, it started a little bit before COVID, and, and then um, I kind of, made, I guess I probably had more time. So a couple of my articles were like COVID-specific, um, but in general, I'm kind of just writing articles whenever I, I preach. So mm. like the first two articles I wrote um, were based on a couple of sermons I had preached recently. Um, so I published both of those in January, and then there's only been maybe a two or three articles I've written from totally from scratch. It's usually just like a sermon I preached or, um, or the one that got published yesterday was like, um, uh, something I studied a little bit for a community group discussion and kind of wrote an article from there. Right. And that makes sense because, you know, you're probably writing so much for your sermons anyways, mm. might as well, you know, take those nuggets of like gold and then just, uh, repurpose them for, yeah, uh, it's actually been, material. yeah, it's been a win-win because, um, for one thing, it really doesn't take much time for me. Um, maybe like four or five hours in general, like sometimes longer, but um, I mostly am just using sentences straight from my sermon and then like adapting them a little bit and obviously like very much condensing those sermons, but um, I'm not actually writing that many new sentences. So it actually, oh. it's kind of a win-win because, you know, in four or five hours I can write an article and that it also helps me I usually, if I can, try to write the article before I preach the sermon because it usually works both ways too. So like I'll uh, reorganize a little bit to kind of condense it. And I usually learn something from doing that and then bring that back into the sermon as well. So it's kind of like a, a win-win, like yeah. five hours and get an article also helps my sermon too. So it's been pretty fun. Interesting. I, it's almost as if like, uh, it, you know, like uh, back when you're in school and uh, you're trying to like learn about a topic or you're in a subject. Mm -hmm. It, it, you learn more as you teach it to like your yeah, friend, exactly. mm. yeah. you know, and so th that's interesting that you almost get like a, a double chance to, uh, you know, relearn the material, refocus on the material. That's great. Um, and I know you recently had a, an article, maybe even yesterday that was published. Yeah. You, you want to yeah. like talk about that real quick? Like what, what did you write about? Yeah. So that one is one, um, the one that I wrote based on, um, I'd done a lot of study for uh, community group discussion that okay. we were going to do back in the fall um, or I guess spring of 2020. Uh, but then we changed our community group with everything happening with COVID and stuff. So we didn't actually get to it, but we were going to go um, through Ezra and Nehemiah one night. Uh, so I'd done a bit of study in Ezra and Nehemiah. And uh, there's this part in Ezra where 
Um, it starts out really good, like Ezra is about the Israelites returning to the promised land. Um, so it's it's uh, like a really climactic thing, and um, everything's looking good because they were in uh, slavery and, and for all these years, and then they finally come back, and it's it's really celebratory. But then. Um, the priest at the time named Ezra finds out that some of the Israelites had married uh, people that didn't believe in God, that followed different gods, worshiped different gods. And as soon as he finds out, he like he weeps, he tears his clothes, he laments and everything. It's, it's a pretty dramatic thing. Um, and so I kind of built off of that a little bit and uh, applied it to, okay, should, to this question that I get asked quite often, should I date somebody who's not a Christian? Um, so I kind of did based on some of my research from Ezra and then also like um, 1 Corinthians 7 talks about like kind of a similar similar topic as well. So wrote an article from that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, in terms of like when you do post and things like that, how do you, I know you like post in our like local Slack channels and things like that, but mm-hmm. how, do, you, do you get any good feedback, positive or negative? And if you do, like where, where does that actually come from? Yeah, so I try to get... Um, as much feedback as I can before I publish it too. Mm-hmm. So like, um, like for example, this article, uh, John Lee helped me a ton with that. Um, and like my wife had looked at it a bit. So I had like a handful of people look at it before it's published. Plus then like an editor looks at it as well and right. usually makes at least a handful of like kind of small, at least small, um, if not bigger improvements. So, so I get a lot of feedback before and then afterwards, um, I don't, so I don't seek it out so much afterwards. Um, but usually people just, you know, some kind of like, oh, this is great or whatever. Nothing yeah. like, you know, super helpful. But it's, yeah. it's good to know that, that people enjoyed it or found it helpful. Definitely. And we'll, we'll probably add it in our show notes as well. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll yeah. put, a, put a link in, uh, in the bottom. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any um, plans to write a book or like a collection of all these articles? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd like a book. Like that? A book would be sick. <laughs> I mean, I think it would just, I mean, because sometimes a book is just like a continuation of just the same topics over and over again or things mm-hmm. like that. But it would be nice to have just like some various different analysis on different parts of the Bible as mm. well, not just like one specific. Thing, I mean, I'm right? thinking about like uh, obviously uh, Tim Keller's big name in New York. Um, you know, it seems as if when he writes his books, it's almost a, a, a combination of his sermons his articles, and then he kind of like, he uses them together and he just like, you know, he's like, oh. Noticing a pattern here? Yeah, and then he's he's like, you know, maybe they need like a a chapter in between to kind of like, you know, stitch the whole thing together. And then it's just like, oh, we got a book about uh, a marriage or or something like that. So, you know, I think a, a book could like, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Already maybe in the someday. crosshair. It's not in the crosshairs yet. I, I feel like I want to wait until I'm a bit older and like write have something worthwhile to write as a whole book. Uh, okay. But um but I but yeah, potentially um, you know, say if I did a whole sermon series someday. You know, so right now it's it's um there's probably no way to make a book from the articles I have at the moment because they're too kind of spread out. Um, like, for example, I have like a couple articles from Isaiah or something like that, but it's certainly not like the whole book of Isaiah because right. I, I preached twice on Isaiah this summer, so right. I have two articles on that. Um, but it's not like I could get to a whole book on Isaiah from, from just that. But if someday I did a whole series and, you know, and I mm. preached more sermons um, through the book of Isaiah, then maybe that could, could be a book. So maybe yeah, someday. For yeah. sure, for sure. And here's the thing. It's like, you know, when I, um, you know, I get to talk to Pastor David pretty frequently. Um, you know, we all go to uh, his church for listeners who, who aren't aware. Um, but, you know, what I notice is that you work so hard. And what I'm curious about is, is like, how do you time manage, project manage, like energy manage? Like, it seems like you're, you're just like, you know, 24 seven, just on the <laughs> clock, you know, you're, you're, you're counseling someone, working on some sermon, working on some article, like, like how Being do you, on the services every, every yeah. like, day. how do you even yeah. just like, you know, how do you even do that? It's just, uh, I can barely do a nine to five and I'm just <laughs> yeah. like drained, so. Yeah, I mean, part of it is just sheer hours. I mean, I do probably work about 60 hours a week or so. So part of it is like insane, not necessarily only efficiency. Part of it is just I work a lot of hours. Yeah. So that's part of it. Um, But yeah, definitely a lot of time management. I mean, I I, especially I've been more and more picky lately, too, about um, so like what I do in the mornings, actually. So uh, um, because the mornings are like for me, like my key hours, my most productive hours. So like that's when Mm -hmm. I try to like write a sermon or if there's something particularly dense I'm reading, then maybe I'll devote that to the mornings. But um, I've been pickier about um, when I what I do when, um, which is actually based off a book I read a couple months ago. Uh, called when it's like the I think the subtitle is the scientific or the science of timing or something like that but um, it's based off of some things I learned from that great book Dan Pink um, I've read all of his books now actually they're really good so yeah definitely a lot of time management saying no to a lot of things um, as well and then 
also just a sheer number of hours. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it seems yeah. like you say a lot of, you say yes to a lot of things as well. Though. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's true. I yeah. guess it's managing, yeah. uh, just, there's a lot of things to do, but there's very specific ones that you want to work on. So yeah. that makes total sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's so crazy. So, you know, especially during, um, this time, um, you know, has anything, what, what is, what has really changed in the, in the church, you know? Um, I think, you know, first of all, building a church in, uh, New York, no easy feat. Um, I think, you know, what's, what's the stat that, uh, Pastor Aaron always pulls? It's like, you need a, a, a million new people coming to New York, like every 10 years and to uh to access those new million people we need like a hundred new churches or something like that yeah i think it's i think that might be it something like yeah, that yeah um, to kind of have a, a good ideal ratio or something yeah. so obviously there's this just like context of uh building a church is very difficult also being a christian in new york is uh is it rare like it, it seems it, it's it's not the most popular thing it's a, mm. it's a pretty minority kind of thing yeah um you know what are the specific challenges that you face as a pastor um regarding kind of this particular context yeah and just to add more to that i know maybe you could get tell um, our listeners like where you came from and maybe churches from where you came from versus churches in new york and things like that, yeah. that that's true because you're not from originally from the from the east coast right so yeah that's true yeah so i grew up um in the midwest in a suburb of chicago uh, and i grew up in a church um actually i think i might mention that briefly in um, the article i just published but my mom um raised us in a christian household uh so so thankful for that and, and for her um, but grew up in a suburb of Chicago, and I've lived a few places, though, because I also lived then, um, went to school in the Northwest, so I lived in the Northwest for five years, um, in eastern Washington in a, a town called Spokane, and then also uh, three years in Portland, Oregon. So I lived there for a bit, um, which is where I finished uh, Bible college, and then I've also lived in Philadelphia for four years for seminary, wow. yeah. uh, and then I moved here. So I've been here just for like a year and a half. Um, so I've been a part of churches in, in all those cities. Um, yeah, so what's unique about New York? Um, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a good question. I mean, like, you know, are there any specific challenges that you face, you know, based on kind of the, the lifestyle? Like, people come to New York, with a very specific goal, um, like a, a normal non-believer comes to New York, uh, usually for what is it like fame, make wealth, it, to make it, yeah, mm, to okay. like you know climb climb the ladder, be the top of your game. Mm. Um, does that come with um, any specific kind of like um, mindset for you, where you have to kind of uh, turn on a switch, turn off a switch? Oh, maybe you want to like go easy on these topics, and you know you feel a little bit more compelled to talk about these kind of topics, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's definitely maybe some some unique topics to focus on, I guess, like for, yeah, like maybe rest, for example, is actually something to, to focus on a lot in New York City. Like, oh. um, so actually my next sermon is, is on rest. Um, and yeah, I think something like taking a Sabbath is it's pretty countercultural anywhere in the U S probably, except for, I don't know, maybe the South, but, um, but especially in a place like New York city, yeah. um, even amongst Christians it's pretty unusual to take a Sabbath. Um, so maybe that's something that would be like, in my opinion, something to kind of focus on maybe more in New York city than in a place like, um, a suburb of Chicago, maybe, you know, not that it's not important there as well, but uh, maybe it is kind of more of an issue here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one benefit too, though, to a place like New York city and a place like Portland, Oregon, where I lived as well, there is at least one benefit is um, is maybe you can have like a, a pretty honest conversation with people, I guess, maybe. Um, what do you mean? So if you, so I haven't lived in the South, uh, so, so maybe I shouldn't use that as an example. But like even like in a suburb of Chicago, it's a, it's a bit more culturally acceptable to be a Christian. Yeah. Um, so there's maybe a unique challenge there to like addressing people who, you know, maybe are cultural Christians, but... Um, maybe they're not actually true believers. And, and that's kind of its own challenge of like, how do you address that? Right. In New York, you probably don't get as much of that. Like it, it kind of, it costs you a lot more to be a Christian in New York. So um, uh. that has its own challenges as well, but it's also an advantage of like, okay, like we can have maybe an honest conversation about Christianity. Maybe yeah. the flip side challenge would be, like you mentioned, people are super busy and maybe they don't, want to have a conversation about it <laughs> but if they do want to at least right, you can have like right. a more honest conversation yeah i mean it, like i think i heard this ter like term where people say that the the biggest doubters or questioners are like mm -hmm. one of those could be potentially the biggest christians because they yeah. always ask the right questions but if you um grow up in the church and this is kind of what you just believe and nothing has changed then 
you don't maybe you're not asking the right questions, right? And yeah. I think asking these questions to validate your belief, and actually that's kind of the reason why I came to Exilic was not yeah. just the emotional side of Christianity, but just getting the theology and really understanding like the whole concept of like the Old Testament and how it relates to the New Testament and things like that. I thought that was super important because to me it was about how do I how can I get emotional about something if I don't really understand it, right? Yeah, yeah. And when growing up in a church, I, I think that was good, but at the same time it kind of masks certain things and you just mm. naturally believe in certain things because people have said you should believe in it. Right. Yeah. So definitely yeah. agree with that. Um, yeah. What, I, obviously you came to New York City for a reason, but what made that attraction to New York City because you've been to Philly? Was it just like another like list of places that Brian needs to visit as a, <laughs> as a, as for like churches or what was, what was appealing for you to New York city? Yeah. Yeah. So I knew I wanted to move to New York city even, well, I had a suspicion I wanted to move to New York city even when I went to Philly. Mm. Um, so I hadn't visited enough to know for sure, but, um, when I was in uh, Portland still, I was like, man, I think I would, would like to live in, in New York City, um, potentially forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I moved to Philly, I was able to then visit a bit more and uh, kind of confirm that a bit. You know, obviously it's still, you know, do you really know until you move here? But um, I was more confident, like, yeah, no, this is definitely where I want to end up and, and spend the rest of my life. So, wow. um, and that's just been confirmed more so by by moving here. So, yeah, my wife and I at the moment plan to, to be here forever, to retire here, raise kids here, die here. With that, uh, you know, uh, Christians love to use the word, uh, you know, I was called hmm. to do to go there. Would you say that that's, that was your calling? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I would um, maybe... Yeah, I, I think that's true, but it does sound sort of like hyper spiritual to kind of call it like that. Like yeah. I just like enjoy New York City mm-hmm. to be honest. Like like, <laughs> like whether or not I was a pastor, I would want to live here. So um, I ultimately like I think that's a part of calling. So okay. like I think a part of calling is that you God gives you a passion and, and like that's a part of it. So like being called to be a pastor, part of that is like God's given me these desires and and maybe particular gifts that that work well with that. Um, so I think it's that's, you know, maybe similar to New York City as well. Like, I just really enjoy living here. And um, and then, like, the other part of a calling is, like, other people kind of affirming that as well. So, like, when it became a pastor, other people saying, yeah, no, I feel like, you know, God has gifted you in this way, and maybe he's leading you in that way. Um, so, similar to New York City, too. I mean, I got ordained in the Presbyterian Church here, so that's kind of a sense of, like, okay, at least for now, God has certainly called you here. Yeah. Um, and potentially forever, so, yeah. And how did you uh, choose Exilic Churches of all church? Yeah. So when I got closer to graduation um, from seminary in Philly, I started trying to kind of just connect more with some pastors in New York City in our denomination, um, which, and, and I knew I wanted to end up in Manhattan. So there's actually not that many uh, churches in our denomination in Manhattan. Okay. So um, I tried to connect with all of them. And um, one day just had, had emailed Pastor Aaron. I'd never, I had no connections at the time at Exilic. Um, didn't know anybody here, but emailed Pastor Aaron and um, told him a little bit about, you know, my passion for New York City and my desire to, to potentially even plant a church here one day wow. um, and asked, hey, is there, you know, are you guys hiring it for anything I can apply for? Um, and he emails me back, I think pretty quickly even, and he's like, well, you know, it just so happens we actually are looking for somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the timing of it was crazy because um, they hadn't even, like, started discussing it publicly or anything. So right. I think that was like even part of what made him really curious. He's like, well, geez, maybe God's like give, leading David here because like we hadn't even, you know, discussed this right. publicly, wow. but we do actually need somebody. So, um, so from there we, you know, I talked with Aaron a, a handful of times over zoom and, uh, then eventually like visited quite a few times, um, visited Sunday services and, you know, kind of talked with the whole staff afterwards. Um, I think the whole process was maybe like, I don't know, a few months or something like that. And then months, officially wow. got, got an yeah. offer after that. So that's yeah. so crazy. Did you know a lot about Exilic before you even sent out those messages? Or not, it was not much. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I looked at the website, you know, right, and, right. and, uh, Which probably and went through the it. directory of like Presbyterian churches. Exactly. Yeah. That seems pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. That's what I did is I just went, you know, you can find all of the Presbyterian churches in our denomination. You know, you can go to the website and see, okay, where are the churches in Manhattan? Yeah. So I just looked at, at that list and, um, and started, trying to connect with pastors so yeah so then like you know i'm curious because uh you know exilic being a predominantly asian uh church you know were you surprised at all about like that like kind of walked in you're like oh wow this is a, little, a lot of asians <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i knew that before i came okay. so yeah i can't remember how just from the website i guess maybe or i forget exactly oh actually you know i knew that because um we are actually in the korean northeast presbytery of our denomination oh, so that's okay. how i so i so i had a suspicion already 
Because I didn't we're even know that we were. I didn't even know we were associated <laughs> yeah. with a Korean. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So actually, that's probably how I how I first knew about it. Yeah. So yeah. Um. So I wasn't really surprised at that point because I already had ex- expected it. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And uh, you know, uh, I guess now that you've uh, been at this church for almost two years. Yeah, like I guess maybe about a year and a half year and since a half. June 2019. Um, you know, are there any specific, uh, I don't want to call them challenges because maybe, maybe that's a little too negative, but like, you know, are there any specific obstacles that you have to face, um, you know, being a pastor in, a, in an Asian majority church? Mm. Yeah, let me think. The first things that come to mind are are the are kind of not challenges, but just like benefits, actually. I mean, yeah. the first thing that comes to mind is... Um, uh, out of all the churches I've been a part of, and I've been on staff at, at churches before too, yeah. um, and I f- definitely feel the most respected here. I don't know if that if that's oh. just a coincidence or not, but but I, I feel like it's potentially a little bit cultural because um, I experienced the same thing when I would in Philadelphia. I preached at a handful of um, mm. Korean churches and Chinese churches, um, and I f- experienced the same kind of sense. Yeah. So um, so maybe that's it's so a cultural thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's because he does all that work, man. That's what it is. Yeah. Respect the work, you know. <laughs> you gotta respect the game. You know, but you know, he does bring up a good point of like you know. You know, even though we aren't like we, we're American, yeah. we're not necessarily Korean. We're mm-hmm. we're still brought up in Korean culture, especially mm-hmm. if we if you were like raised in the church. And so, there must be this thing of like, you know, treating your pastors a little bit differently. Because I could totally see Korean people like mm-hmm. in like a Korean Korean church like doing that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's so funny that you uh, that we continue to do that almost like subconsciously. Um, in our church. That's, that's so Yeah, because one thing that I noticed, the first thing I noticed actually uh, was just a really tangible thing when I had first, for the first time preached at, I think maybe a Chinese church was the first Asian church I preached at in, yeah. um, in uh, Philadelphia. And they all call, everybody called me Pastor David. And first of all, I wasn't technically a pastor at that time. Uh, I was just a seminary. Tra- yeah, and, seminary, yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I was also just a guest. You know, like I was just, you know, like I wasn't their pastor. I was just a guest, right? Oh, no. um, and... <laughs> I never had anybody call me that before, actually. Like, yeah. So that was the first thing I noticed. I'm like, everybody's calling me Pastor David. Interesting. And then, um, and then I preached at some other, you know, Asian American churches, and and uh, same thing. They all call me Pastor. I was like, oh, interesting. So that's actually the first thing I noticed. And that's I think a it, thing. that's a yeah. thing, though. Like, yeah, I yeah. feel weird not calling you Pastor David. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm almost uh, disrespecting you. Yeah. You know, obviously we'll shrink it down, call you like P. Dave, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, if I don't call you Pastor Dave, it feels weird. It feels like I'm like, you know, like, you know, just like being very disrespectful to you for some reason. So yeah, that's so funny. Maybe yes. that is Korean culture. We, be, yeah. we have like different ways we talk to older people or right. people we respect <clears throat> yeah. with a different type of language. But then when you're talking yeah. with your friends, there's like a little like lowered down version where it's like yeah. all casual friends talking. On top of that, like, you know, in um, at least in the media, if you are any particular kind of uh, job, like if you're like oh, an the athlete, title. Yeah. yeah, there's a title. So, you, you know, we would call you like um, if he was like a soccer player, we'd call him like Alex athlete there's like a term that you use to like Mm -hmm. or if i was like a um or like you know in in government like if i'm a senator they call you like senator something like they call you like yeah i mean doctor yeah they call you like senator lee Mm -hmm. or like doctor something Mm -hmm. like there's titles for everything and so in that way you know i I think we were also raised to just be like oh like Mm -hmm. past or something you know so um that's so funny that you that you felt that is there anything else that you've uh kind of kind of felt let's see that was the first thing that came to mind um yeah, I don't know. Nothing else comes to mind at the moment, actually. That's that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I had a question. When you first came to Exilic and you, know, you accepted the job offer, like, what yeah. was your expected goal? Like, what did you want to get out of uh, Exilic? <laughs> and did you, now that you've been with us for about a year and a half, like, mm. do you feel like you're kind of on track or did something mm. deviate? Something um, change. Something yeah. change. Mm. Things like that. Yeah, yeah. Good question. Um, so I tried to come not with too big of expectation. I was actually so grateful. Um, so, you know, I was also, like I mentioned, you know, also trying to connect with other pastors in the city. Um, and so most of the um, churches in Manhattan that are in our denomination are all Redeemer churches. So if you're familiar right. with Redeemer Presbyterian. And so it's a pretty big organization. So if I was able to get a job with them at all, it was probably going to be something, you know, much kind of lower on the totem pole sort of thing, you know, um, probably, probably not even like a, technically a pastor or anything. So yeah. it would probably have been just like working with community groups, which would have been great. Like I, I definitely would have enjoyed that. Um, so I actually was so grateful to, to come here and, and to be able to have 
preaching opportunities. And um, it's also really great to be on a smaller staff, like such an amazing opportunity because I do a little bit of everything. You know, I do counseling, I do preaching, I do, you know, other teaching and, um, and also get to like be central to all of our conversations, our decisions and stuff, which if I was at a bigger church, like Redeemer, I mean, they wouldn't have cared what, what I what I thought, right, you know. So, right. yeah. So I actually was kind of came here like, wow, this is like amazing. This is way better than I was hoping for. Like right. to be able to have all these opportunities and stuff. So, because that's probably because like Exilic's kind of like startup-y. It, yeah. it is like significantly smaller. Um, but I, I find it so funny that even in churches, like I mean, I guess churches are an organization, so they have to have some sort of structure. Mm. But uh, it's funny that you're saying that. Like, if you were to go to a, a larger organization, the amount of um, actual like avenues that you can kind of pursue and like the, the actual like, uh, various work that you can actually do diminishes mm-hmm. and you know the fact that you are in exilic like, you can do um, kind of anything that you can like you know mm-hmm. you have the opportunity to do uh, far more in a smaller uh, organization I think that's mm-hmm. so funny that um, you know you know churches are obviously aren't businesses um, but like you know they take kind of that same kind of mentality um, of you know if you're in a smaller company you get to kind of um, wear more hats. Even if your job title is X, you get to kind of do like all everything under the rainbow. So um, I think that's so funny that uh, you feel the same way. Yeah, I'd be curious if you did get something at re- some, a large organization like mm. Redeemer, would people call you Pastor <laughs> because Yeah, probably like, not. You, yeah. you're not uh, preaching, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, is that is that something that's normal for a new pastor to, when they, if they join something that big, to just to not be preaching, not be necessarily doing what I guess what we expect a pastor would do generally mm-hmm. um, is that is that a normal like track that some people go to or is that yeah. do people start mostly start small and then kind of work their way mm-hmm. up about like the trajectory the long term like you know obviously I mean I'm going to assume that ideally you probably want to be a pastor for the rest of your life but then mm-hmm. like how do you even think about that you know I can't even I don't even I can't even imagine me working as what I what I do now in, in like 50 years so mm-hmm. you know how do you think about it yeah, like especially in terms of like um, how do people think about a trajectory and like, you know, kind of more traditional language, like career growth type. Sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think, yeah, it maybe just kind of depends. And um, like our church, Exilic, is already way bigger than the average church in the sure. United States. Um, so the average church, I think, is still somewhere around like 100 people or something like that. Uh, so we're significantly bigger than that already. So we kind of already are in that sense a big church. So um, some people that graduate from seminary, um, might just go on in their first job as a pastor might just be to, to be the only pastor <laughs> and that, and that, you know, and maybe they stay there forever, you know, yeah. maybe they're, they just pastor that church forever. Um, so most pastors, I don't know for sure if this is true, but, um, I would guess that a lot of pastors at least kind of just are always, you know, maybe the only pastor or maybe there's a couple pastors if it's a little bit bigger. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, like in terms of like position, there's not really any growth and you know like you're not gonna you're just kind of always just the pastor sort of thing yeah um so of course hopefully you grow in you know maturity and, and you become a better pastor and but, wisdom yeah yeah but you just kind of are always you know same job title sort of thing um yeah i i think like for me um again i feel so fortunate that um you know i i hope to be in new york forever that's my plan at the moment yeah. um and i I definitely don't take for granted that I was able to come to New York right away. Like, and it wasn't always a, something that's, that was a sure thing either, actually. Um, cause I mentioned, you know, there's hardly any churches in New York city. So, mm-hmm. um, for a little bit, it was, it was looking like, well, geez, maybe, maybe we don't go to New York city right away. Like, you know, I still want to end up there long term, but maybe we'll, you know, have to go somewhere else first and, and, uh, and then move to New York city, you know, hopefully in, in the coming years. Um, so for me, I feel really fortunate that I'm, I'm, in kind of a, in a general sense, at least like already where I want to be forever. Um, probably plan a church someday. Um, so like there's a little bit of, of, of kind of growth in that sense, but, um, yeah, I'm fortunate that I feel like I'm already, you know, in the city that I feel called to and, yeah. um, you know, being a pastor, like I feel called to. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that, I, I guess we don't really think about this, but the struggles of a pastor that's trying to get, I always say like try to get into the space for tech, but in terms <laughs> yeah. of getting into a church, <clears throat> like, I've I've heard a lot of different st- stories about even just older pastors that mm-hmm. want to start a church or they they don't have enough community members coming mm-hmm. in or they don't yeah. get the position that they want so they have to kind of either maybe in your case you might have moved to upstate mm-hmm. New York and just mm-hmm. start there and then mm-hmm. spend two two years there but I wonder if you do you start if you're in those kind of scenarios or do you know any other pastors that have mm-hmm. kind of started off maybe on the slower side but mm-hmm. then they're kind of struggling with. Um, you know, their relationship with God because it's like, mm. oh, I'm not getting exactly what I oh, want. You know what I mean? Interesting. And 
Yeah, I that think. probably does happen. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I know. Nobody immediately comes to mind, but I'm sure that probably happens. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, one thing that comes to mind, too, is I think most of my friends from seminary, I'm not sure, like, they graduated the same year I did. So that was like a year and a half ago. The friends I have, most of them are not ordained yet, actually. So I think okay. a, a lot of people, like, don't necessarily even get... Well, you know, like, for example, if I had worked at Redeemer, I, I probably wouldn't be ordained. Maybe, but uh, maybe not. Um, so I think a lot of people have done, like, internships and stuff like that, yeah. um, and uh, but not, not quite ordained yet. So, yeah, like, I think in our denomination, there's about a thousand churches, I think is right. So, you know, that's only... A thousand oh, places like, to apply across, across the whole yes, oh, U.S. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So if I, you know, for me wanting to stay in this denomination, that's limiting where I can even apply to in the first yeah, place, right? right? You know, right. so um, yeah, there was definitely no guarantee that I could even end up in New York. Like if right. I wanted a job in my denomination, it could have meant I had to go to Iowa or something. You know, like, yeah, there's definitely no like guarantee. So yeah, um, so I feel super fortunate for that. Right, right. And for our listeners who may not know, like the entire process of how does a pastor get to preach maybe we can yeah. kind of explain how like, does a pastor you, become a pastor yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. once you finish seminary what was that yeah. process like yeah so i went to seminary at westminster seminary um which is longer than most um it takes most people four years to finish their degree there um so it's it's a master's degree um and it usually takes three years um but in my seminary there's uh the only one I know of, at least, that has extra credits. It was like 100 and, <laughs> 110, 112 credits or something sure. like that for, for my master's degree. So um, so most people take four years is the standard. Um, and then after that, you still then... So then you have a degree, um, which is a prerequisite to become ordained. But you still have to get ordained by denomination because the seminary is just kind of an educational institution. Yeah separate from uh from uh, denomination so then the denomination still has to like basically approve you and say like okay yeah like you believe you're you know you're properly trained you you know you're competent and you have good character and you um have good theology sort of those kind mm-hmm. of general categories um and then a church also has to do that right so there's like all these different you know yeah. layers so um and actually a church has to do that before you can even get ordained because technically Man. in our denomination you have to be called to a specific work is kind of the language we use so okay. That means, like, I can't actually just be ordained in a general sense. Like, I have to be ordained to a position. So, oh. like, God has called me to work at Exilic. Yeah. Um, I can't just be like, God has called me to be a pastor, but who knows where. Sort just of general. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It's actually, like, a specific thing. So, I actually had to get a job at Exilic, and then the denomination had to be like, okay, yes, you can give him a job. Sort of, sort of basically, kind of Interesting. thing. Interesting. Man, yeah. being a pastor is <laughs> even harder than, like, getting a normal job. That's, like, yeah. that's crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, to get ordained, I mean... I studied more than most people, but I studied um, probably a few hundred hours to get ordained because oh uh, there's there was like um, is it five tests I think um, that come out to be like ten to fifteen hours total or something like that of wow. tests plus interviews and stuff like that. and this is with the denomination. Yeah, um, this isn't talking about getting the job at Exilic, which also was its own process too. Um, thankfully. Uh, I won't have to do any of those tests again as long as I stay in New York City. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm technically ordained by the um, the New York uh, Presbytery. So uh-huh. like if I stay in New York City, kind of within the bounds of this Presbytery, it's like the regional sort of thing. Then I won't have to do any of those tests again. Oh man, it's like yeah. a medical or like law license where it you is. can only yeah. do it in the state that you're yeah. working oh on. But if you do move, then yeah. You I mean, that's a better reason for like you never to move. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, I never yeah. want to do that. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah, it is sort of comparable to like law sort of thing because yeah. you have to get this big long degree and then you have to still take all these kind of you know you could call them like board it's exams God's law, man. Yeah. Yeah. God's and, law. and there's like <laughs> yeah. and then there's like interviewing and then everyone needs to vouch for you yeah. and like if one yeah. person just like doesn't like you then it's just yeah. it's over yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. start crazy. again somewhere else right yeah and is yeah. there a reason why you know i mean i i guess you know i kind of have an understanding but you know i i'd be curious to hear your words on what's the reason for making it so difficult like why are there so many obstacles one needs to overcome in order to become a pastor yeah i'm glad that that's the case so i mean it depends on each denomination um you know like the church i grew up in you didn't have to even go to seminary you know to be a pastor or whatever so it kind of depends but i'm glad that our denomination um does require it to be so so rigorous um yeah if anything like yeah it if anything, even more, like in my yeah, opinion, like yeah, because, yeah. Uh, yeah, it really does vouch. I mean, for those three things, like um, character is super important as well. So um, like I think it's it's great that we vouch for character for anybody before we say like, 
because basically the the um, presbytery is saying like, yeah, we believe God has called you to ministry, and that's a pretty big statement. And I'm glad we take that really seriously. Um, so first, we have to you know say like, okay, is you know is your character you know in line with what we believe a minister should be, um, and is your theology in line, and and you know do you understand the theology? Like, I, I'm personally really glad that um, we take it that seriously. And yeah. if anything, I would just take it even more, not less, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You you would if it was up to you, you would make it even like more kind of like there'd be like even more kind of like uh like maybe not even necessarily challenges more steps but like like i studied probably a lot more than most people for my exams yeah. a few hundred hours i probably most people don't um but i'm so glad i did like i wish everybody did because it was so um, beneficial to me like yeah. i it was so great like so i had this degree um and so technically you know i have this degree master of divinity right yeah um but i certainly didn't feel like much of a master at the you know after getting that degree but and i'm still you know master i don't know like sort of maybe but but i definitely feel more like that at least after studying for my exams because it really helped me synthesize everything i learned for the past four years in seminary like i found those hours so valuable like i really um wish that everybody would study 300 hours you know for their benefit and then and for the benefit then of those they're going to serve for the rest of their lives i mean that's like that's a pretty big thing like if you're going to be a pastor you know for me i don't know maybe another 30 40 years right at least so um yeah you might as well like study 300 hours what's that compared to 40 years you know like come on like you know that's so beneficial for the rest of your ministry it's it's probably foundational for everything that you'll go through in the next 30 40 years yeah exactly that's crazy it's it's so funny i i I find just having these conversations i see it's so relatable to just our everyday work and Mm -hmm. you know especially for me i always talk about you know try to see who's ahead of you Mm. um, learn from them learn from their mentorship and things Mm. like that and Mm. I guess in this perspective we have the past Aaron's who have kind Mm. of done this for you know a little bit longer obviously Um, what do you think within this year and a half that you've learned not learn from him or the other pastors that Mm. you kind of didn't weren't really learning in seminary or because obviously you study a lot of hours a hundred hours and mm-hmm. you know it's people could label that as like book smart or you just know mm-hmm. the theology very but there's well. a practical application but there's definitely yeah, a definitely. practical aspect of working with a congregation mm-hmm. like giving counseling and things like that mm-hmm. uh, what kind of benefits have you learned from the other pastors yeah that's a good question yeah i mean one of the things actually is counseling and uh, that's a really practical thing that i didn't feel like i learned a ton about in seminary i did learn some um because i actually did take some counseling classes but that's one of the things that like yeah like you, you really have to do it. I mean, it's good to take the classes as well. Um, and I actually did decide. Um, I'm actually getting a second master's degree in counseling. Actually, oh wow, um, yeah. yeah. Because this is what I'm saying, man. This <laughs> works so hard. Yeah, where does he find the time? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I pro- now see. So for those classes, I probably spend less than most people. That's how I spend. The, uh, that's okay, how okay. I. Uh, that's how I find the time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because um, those classes, I'm like, oh man, I gotta quick finish this paper or whatever. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. Um, yeah, that's actually a good example of something that um, it's not, I don't fault the seminary at all. It's just like, you know, I hadn't done very much formal counseling, a sure. little bit, but not very much. Sure. And now I'm doing, I actually counsel people most nights, I think, um, uh, like a few this week or something like that. So um, so I'm doing a lot of counseling now and yeah. you learn so much from that. So, But I do also learn a lot from the classes. So I actually decided, it's like, you know, wow, I don't feel like I am super equipped for this um, a little bit because I took a couple counseling classes, but I'd love to take more. So I decided to go back and um, I started a second master's degree, just like one class at a time. Wow! Um, to to get a master's in counseling from my same seminary, actually. Oh, awesome! Yeah. That's crazy because it's not good enough to just be one master. <laughs> yeah. You got to be two masters. You got you got to double up on that. That's, yeah, that's insane. That's yeah. crazy. Because again, I feel like it's it's like you know, it'll take a few years for me to do it at that pace. Um, but. Yeah, what's a few years if I'm going to be counseling people for 40 years? Like, yeah, that's totally worth it. Like, yeah. for the, for them, you know, like, and for me, like, just to be a better counselor, but you know, really for for the sake of the church, like, yeah, like that's totally worth it. Of course, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course. I mean, going and going back to my original question with, like, I know that the, there's obviously ca- uh, classes you can take like that, but mm. do you see any um, like practical um, things that you could learn from just the, mm. the pastors as well? Yeah, yeah. So like another one. So counseling is one in the sense of. Um, you know, talking about some of the pastors about mm. specific situations. Like I've definitely learned from that. Um, and then also talking, uh, with the pastors about preaching has been super helpful. Um, like getting good feedback from pastor Aaron. So like I'm always trying to get as much feedback as possible. So anytime I preach, I'm, I'm asking, you know, a bunch of people for feedback and, um, that's been super helpful to get feedback from the pastors and, and, and learn from them in that sense. And my preaching has definitely improved as a result. So that, that'd be one example. Wow. And on top of that, like, you know, um, I think you mentioned this to me once. It's like, again, since we're a smaller church, you know, you get to 
uh, preach mm-hmm. pretty regularly. And like, even that's like great experience yeah. to, to have rather than not have. So yeah, even if I didn't get feedback, it would still be a of good course, experience. Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, just yeah. like standing up in front of mm-hmm. tons of people. Just, mm-hmm. yeah, it must be, it must be crazy. I don't, I don't know. I, I think it's always crazy that, uh, this is like your job. This is, you have to do this, you know, pastors need to do this every Sunday mm-hmm. where they get up and they they prepare kind of material and they're like to the best of their ability. They're just like, okay, like take it and run, like, like digest this, like, you know, 30 minute, 40 minute, like speech mm. and then like take it and run. So I, I, I think it's, it's, um, I mean, there's a whole level of communication that you need to think about. Obviously, um, delivery content, all of that you got to think about, um, for you in particular, you know, what, what do you feel like are your strengths? But then like, um, through your year and a half at Exilic, what have you had to kind of, uh, uh, improve on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I actually try to have at the very least a small goal of improvement every time I preach. Yeah. Um, so like I, I try to, I am intentional each time about at least something small, if not, so, you know, maybe even something big, like, okay, in this sermon, I'm going to try to do X, Y, Z and mm-hmm. improve on this. Um, honestly, one of the best things that's happened uh, in terms of like my growth in preaching um, is being able to have so much video of myself talking now, actually, mm, like yeah, it's actually so helpful there we go. Um, because I had seen myself speak maybe only twice. So I've, I've always recorded myself um, audio to kind of review afterwards. And, and uh, I always try to get feedback from other people, um, but also just my own reviewing and it has, is probably usually the, probably often the most helpful actually, cause I'm sure, you know, tougher on myself than sure, other people sure, are, sure. are willing. I wish people were more willing to be tougher on me, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, usually, uh, kind of my own feedback is, is sometimes the most helpful. So, but, um, but I haven't had any video, but now I have hours of footage yeah. of myself, <laughs> like, you know, so, um, that's been so helpful, but, um, uh, but say it again, you're asking like, what are some of the specific things I've, yeah. I've like, so what do you, what do you feel like, you know, you kind of came in that kind of naturally kind of gifted mm-hmm. in and then, you know, what are oh, some right. areas where you felt like, oh, well, like I can definitely improve in that way. Mm-hmm. Like, especially in regards to your, your preaching, you know, or, or maybe, maybe again, it's like regarding counseling or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So like, uh, if I think about preaching, um, I think some, one of the things that, that, um, um, kind of comes a little bit more naturally to me, I mean, still took a lot of work to develop this, but one of my strengths maybe is, um, kind of trying to be clear and, uh, and, um, sort of well thought out sentences type thing. So like I preach from a manuscript, um, which is a different style than, um, like pastor Aaron for sure. Like he doesn't preach from manuscript. Um, and, and both have, have their own strengths. Um, so one of my strengths I think is having a really clear, um, logical flow, you know, and trying to have a concise and like, here's my main point sort of thing. Um, but then like one of the things I've learned from pastor Aaron, especially is, um, you know, he's, he's always telling me like, more like every time like his feedback is is you know have more stories like like, uh, yeah. like you know try to make it more like personal yeah, and stuff yeah. like that and and that's so that's so true like that's definitely not my strength like if i was preaching like just to what my style is naturally yeah. i would just like you guys would probably be so bored like because i would just like you know sure it'd be logical and, and you could follow it if you could stay awake sort of thing but like that would be kind of my natural style right um but he's so right like the you know it's so important to add stories and and to try to make it more personal in that mm. um so that's one thing that i've i'm still trying to grow in quite a bit like so i'm actually for the next sermon i'm preaching i'm still struggling to think of maybe a, a, another story or two for oh, that yeah, one. I, I was gonna say <laughs> I, I bet pastor aaron spends so much time coming finding these stories yeah. Finding these quotes. Yeah. I wonder if he just goes yeah. on Google and just like puts the actual sermon title and then like that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if he has like an Excel spreadsheet of yeah. like great like uh, quotes or something. quotes yeah. or stories that he could use like mm-hmm. Disney movies and you know like he he loves the Harry Potter movies even though he's never watched one. I mean, <laughs> I mean he definitely recycles. Don't get don't get me wrong. Absolutely, but he has the right amount where. Uh, you know, it's it's not that frequent. It's not like every week. Of course, of course. I mean, we've, Lord of the we've been going to Exilic for about mm-hmm. like over three years. Yeah, so we yeah. will definitely hear <laughs> yeah, so it. We've, like. we've been through the rotation, <laughs> yeah. but you know, I guarantee you he's got like an, a database yeah. of like, okay, like th- this story here is applicable in these scenarios. And like, he's got like meta tagged. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. Yeah, I, sure. I, that's what I feel like that's what you got to do too. You know, it's yeah, just like e- every yeah. story ever, you just got to like, yeah. boom, yeah, right yeah, start that yeah. Excel sheet and just, you yeah. just know how this, this passage, maybe 
we could use these codes here. Yeah. 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 Oh, then you uh, then you V look up. <laughs> you know, you're just like, okay, uh, V look up for a keyword of like, uh, I don't know, like uh, redemption. You know, yeah. something like, yeah. like that's so funny. You could you could do something like that. Yeah, people totally do that. And like in the in the old days before everything, you could be digital. They would pastors would say. Um, so even if you read like an older preaching book, you know, those pastors will all like have folders or something, and like, oh, here's you know, here's this you know category, this key term. Here's a folder of them. Oh, wow. So now it's much easier because now you know you can do crossover or whatever. That's like, oh, maybe so this funny. applies to both or something. It's much easier now that it's digital. But yeah, you could share that. that Excel sheet now that's digital, and then, but then <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like open source that database. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But then I feel each pastor would want their own own unique perspective. That's true. Huh. That's true. Yeah. Man, that's yeah. so funny. Um, you know, and so I guess like moving on from that, you know, I'm curious. Uh, are there any things like any any media or books or anything that you consume that's not specifically Christian, maybe it's like, you know, more secular mm-hmm. that either inspires you, um, you know, to be more Christian or to be a better pastor. Is there anything like that you watch or you watch a movie and you're like, Oh, this is actually like super Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's not meant to be that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is I definitely read a lot of, um, leadership books or business books and stuff like that. So like I mentioned earlier, um, that book by Dan Pink called uh, win yeah. and all of his books I think are, are tremendously helpful. And, um, like, for example, he has this other book that's it's probably his most famous one called Drive. Um, mm-hmm. And the subtitle is like The Surprising Truth About What Motivates People or something like that. Um, and his his principles that he goes through there are, uh, yeah, I think they're they're definitely Christian. Um, but they're not. But they're not. But blat- he doesn't present them as. as oh. Yeah. You know, like he he's not a Christian as far as I know. Um, and so he might be, but I don't think so. Because um, he presents them actually as kind of like in an evolutionary sort of context in his mind. Um, but I think, you know, the principles he presents there actually are. Christian, whether he recognizes it or not. Um, but it's still a super helpful book for me to read as a pastor because it's something that like, yeah, maybe it is Christian, but maybe it's something that, you know, we haven't recognized in, in the Christian community mm. or whatever. Like, you know, like there's no Christian equivalent to that book that, or that I know of at least nothing that's as well written. So, um, it's still really helpful, um, to kind of borrow well, really, he's the one borrowing it from Christianity, but yeah. like, but you know, he recognized it in a way that maybe a, a Christian book hasn't, um, and uh, so I still find that super helpful for my leadership. Same thing with like communication books. Um, I read preaching books, but um, honestly, I think I learn more from secular communication books. Um, we I mentioned that to you before. Like, yeah. um, some pastors are great communicators, but I think of, oftentimes there's a lot of good communicators that aren't pastors, and there's a lot oh, of pastors course, that aren't definitely. good communicators. Yeah, so <laughs> like, people, like, people um, so I want to learn crazy. from. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, there's 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 more options uh, people to learn from that aren't Christian and I'm happy to learn from a pastor who's a good communicator too but yeah. um, I don't yeah but there's you know it goes both ways interesting yeah. interesting. I mean, so you're obviously learning all these different skills uh, as a pastor whether mm. it's secular or through just just through other pastors as well mm. um, I know you mentioned church planning and is that the kind of ultimate goal for you maybe um, you five years or 10 mm. years well what is that game plan for you like if i had to be like give me your five-year plan yeah. what is your 10-year plan <laughs> things like that yeah. yeah 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 definitely yeah so at the moment it's sort of like a a, a general five-year plan to plan mm-hmm. a church um but it's pretty kind of um i'm sort of operating under that general uh idea but i'm leaving it pretty flexible which is not common for me but uh, usually i do have like yeah no here's my specific five-year plan but the reason why i'm leaving it pretty flexible is because um at the moment in my in my you know sort of five-year plan i'm just in this stage of wanting to learn more about mm-hmm. you know just to get to know new york city better you know, i've only been here a year and a half so i wouldn't want to plan a church now that's for sure um I wouldn't. I feel like I wouldn't know the people well enough as much as I would want to, to before I plant a church. And I also, at the moment, wouldn't even know like where I would want to plant a church. So, my goal right now is get to know the city better, and um, and hopefully, you know, uh, in the next year or so, actually, hopefully plant, um, hopefully decide like here's a neighborhood that I, you know, maybe will live forever. I mean, who knows? Like mm-hmm. that part, it's kind of hard to know, you know. But ideally, in the next year, um, my wife and I would sort of say like here's where we're gonna spend the rest of our life in terms of a neighborhood event. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. That I don't know. It may or may not happen. I'm kind of you know it could change. But Rent's crazy in New York, so you know it's uh, totally totally understandable. Yeah, we do. We do, we are committed to Manhattan, but a specific neighborhood is sort of like, we don't quite know yet, but right. it'd be great if we could in the next year, you know, decide like, here's where a neighborhood we want, want to be in forever. Um, but that's kind of unknown. So yeah, so it's sort of like a general five-year plan, but um, it's pretty flexible at the moment because I feel like I don't have enough um, 
knowledge to really do a ton of planning yet. Mm. Um, I feel like I need to get to know the city better, get to know where maybe I would want to plant a church, and then I can kind of have a more specific timeline. Yeah. I don't know. Personally, if I was in your shoes too, and you know, you're kind of growing with this community, mm. I would have a hard time leaving. I know, yeah, you know definitely. Things, oh, like yeah. you make good oh, yeah. friends, but yeah. uh, from what I've heard, there are some times where you could actually bring some uh, church members uh, currently to mm. the other church to you know start yeah, yeah. off and like be the. I mean, you know, uh, we yeah, can always yeah. do uh, you know exilic uh, you know West Side, East Side, <laughs> West Side, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's definitely possible. I yeah, mean, uh, exilic just, Bronx, yeah. especially with our size now. I mean, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I'm definitely going to try to steal you guys. Absolutely, it won't be a it won't be a steal because yeah, well, Pastor Ian would be would be on board. It's exactly. one church. It's yeah. one church. Yeah, and then we'll start we'll start a podcast through there too. Yeah, yeah, there we go. I like that. Well, you know, as we end our time, you know. Um, I, you know, one last question, um, that, you know, we've been asking a lot of our guests, um, you know, you kind of talked about, uh, you know, how your life has changed through COVID. Um, I'm curious in 2021, you know, this year has kind of been a wash, uh, interesting year. Um, but it's now coming to a close in 2021. Is there anything that you're looking uh, forward to mm. specifically? Oh yeah. Let's see what I'm looking forward to in 2021. Um, well, one thing is what I just mentioned, actually, that uh, my wife and I do hope to, um, if possible, try to buy an apartment, actually, in 2021. Oh, wow. Um, towards the end of the year, probably, when our, when our current lease ends. So um, that would be really exciting if that happens. Um, and again, like the goal would hopefully be like, my, my prayer is that um, is that God would just, in his sovereignty, lead us to an apartment in a neighborhood where we spend the rest of our lives and we one day plant a church. And, um, you know, kind of also going back to what I said honestly, it's probably not going to be because of my foresight or my wife's foresight that yeah. we do that. So I'm hoping that God just does that. Cause like, I feel like I, I, I still don't know enough really to, to make that informed of a decision about here's where we're going to spend our life forever. And here's where we're going to plant a church. But I'm hoping that God just works it out that way. <laughs> and we do end up buying a house. Yeah. So that. that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one thing. And, and, and then also like, uh, man, I'm, I'm so excited to, to hopefully sooner than later start to meet in person again, like as a church, Definitely. like, um, so, you know, for those who don't know, we've been, uh, what's well, been like eight months now since we've had an in-person Something like service. That, yeah. Uh, and yeah, and it's not the same. I, I don't think it's, uh, I, I would say it's not even theologically the same to meet oh. digitally than in person. So I, I think that's super important and I'm excited to, to hopefully sooner than later finally meet in person. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we want to thank you so much for, uh, you know, making, uh, the time early. This, I mean, it's not early for you. It's early, early, <laughs> yeah. early, it's early for, for me. <laughs> um, you know, thank you so much for uh, just uh, coming out here and, uh, you know, doing this podcast with us. We're so glad to uh, um, have you on the show. Um, and for everyone else, you know, we just want to thank you so much for uh, tuning in to your favorite podcast, Did You Eat Yet? You can find us obviously on YouTube. That's where you got your uh, your video content. But you're all, we're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you want to listen to your podcast, we're there. Uh, we want to thank you so much for, your uh, you know tuning in make sure you like and subscribe on our youtube channel make sure you follow us on our instagram channel and uh, you can find pastor david over at exilic.com you don't want to, you want to throw out any uh any plugins any shout outs or anything like that yeah exilic i also have my own website actually too david Schumann.com. we can so link that uh, in yeah. yeah that's an option too but yeah thanks so much for having me guys yeah, it was definitely. a fun time yeah. awesome thank you